take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. You know we've been fighting for one and still fighting to this day. To this day. Aguero! What? Because he's a man. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Back out to Allen. History part of I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Listen, I ain't going to forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Some might be. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Alex Jones, Jack Harper and Tom Kennett. No singing to start this episode off. I was going to have a little uh, beat to bring us in, but after some investigation, it's not worth the potential copyright claim and losing everything we've done for the song which I'm about to get into to start us off. So I may have mentioned this to you before, I may not have. My number one guilty pleasure song, which I decided to watch the video for instead of just the Spotify this morning, Nothing in This World by Paris Hilton. If you've not heard it, then get into it. Um, <laughs> what? The way this is going to go from here, so the way the video starts off is the classic American thing with the kid having his head flushed in the toilet. Yeah. And the question I have to ask is, do you think we've got off easy over here? Because obviously, like, bullying takes place everywhere, but you see it in America, and I feel like most people have got off lightly if kind of an average thing to happen is not having your head flushed in the toilet. I mean, you'd take that over kind of like AR-15 style though, wouldn't you? I mean... <laughs> I didn't want to go completely <laughs> there. We've got there early. It's going to be one of those kind of episodes, I think. But just the general portrayal. I mean, we've seen the extremes in 13 Reasons Why, which I don't think is regular. If no. you've not seen it, no. See, then I... a broom gets put somewhere. Yeah. Which, But this seems to be every kind of show that has an American bully in, it's either head getting like flushed in the toilet or people do just randomly like hit each other in the face. Like I've never known that to be a thing. Just like because someone doesn't like someone, just cracking someone in the face, like in the corridor. I think over in England, I think we're a bit more intelligent, a bit more snide when it comes to that kind of aspect. I mean, it's it almost... You can clearly get away with it over there. Yeah, I know. It's, but it's, it's like a, an advert against guns, isn't it? You'd think, <laughs> right, if I piss him off, he might shoot me. Yeah, exactly. But apparently it doesn't seep in. Yeah, you'd think they'd be a little bit more cautious because like... From what I gather from most news stories, it's the kind of like stereotypical bully bullies weaker kid. Weaker kid gets really angry, <laughs> listens to Lincoln Park, and then <laughs> comes into school with gun, and then gets his own back. I mean, I think th- the more th- the bullied and oppressed over in England, it's kind of like way weaker, yeah. and that's pretty much the extent of it. And then you get on with your five-a-side football. I've said before, probably not on the podcast, but. Not to give people PTSD here, but to go all the way back to um, Columbine and the uh, shootings there. Not going to stay on this for too long. Spit, but spitballing parts. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it light. Yeah. yeah. But when they went back and the guy who did the, the shootings, he'd mapped out the entire school and he created the map on Doom, the game Doom. Oh, my God. And um, 
he'd like uploaded the maps online and so people were able to then go back and play the maps that he'd made out so Jeez. obviously it didn't look like a school but it was like the layout of the way and he was able to kind of just practice his way of moving through the school bloody hell this must be like the American version of when you used to change all the kits on FIFA <laughs> to be your local Saturday league teams so have like Quedgley Reds versus Man City or something I remember like that. this uh, the other day because I think me and my brothers had a break from FIFA probably would have been like maybe 05, 06 I'm not sure the exact year but do you remember the games that came out where they were essentially the same game but there was like Arsenal club football Liverpool yeah, club football yeah. and the theme song on all of them was uh, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand really? yeah, yeah. and so that's literally every time I hear that song yes. that goes straight into my head <laughs> a way to kind of uh, transition here and I do have this all, all, all mapped out here so when I then thought of the American bullies, it took me to what is an underrated gem in Drillbit Taylor. And I don't know if anyone has seen this. So the premise is three kids get bullied by an older kid. They can't defend themselves. They hire what they think is an elite bodyguard. It's Owen Wilson, who's a bum on the street. Goes from there. Underrated classic. And the question I have here, just to kind of kick us off, is there a particular film that comes into your head now if I say, a film that does not get the credit it deserves, whether it be an action film, whether it be a comedy, whether it be whatever, it could be it could be a hit. It could just be that it hasn't quite got the plaudits you feel it should have. So I quite I quite enjoyed uh, when they tried to bring eighteen to the uh, to the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I thought I thought uh, Liam Neeson, uh, Bradley Cooper, and then um, a gem though. It 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 doesn't get the it doesn't get the appreciation appreciation it deserves. It's a good film. It's um it didn't do it didn't do well. Like just people didn't go and watch it, but it was a good film. <laughs> I like I thought those four the combination of those four were hype like really entertaining. Throwing a bit of Jessica Biel and you got a winner. Jessica Biel peaked in Chuck and Larry. Don't forget that. One that came to my head was the film Prisoners with Hugh Jackman, which oh, ha- oh my God, I was yeah. just about to. Say, that's so weird. It's got a good rating, but like not many people have seen it when you when you bring it up. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Like, I was literally just sat there thinking, is this like well known enough that people will actually know what I mean when I say Prisoners? It's, when whenever anyone's seen it, everyone has enjoyed the film, says it's yeah. good. But then not you bring it up, and not a lot of people have seen, it, or not maybe as many as you think. One of them where. As free have uh, cinema cars or have at some point. It was one of them where you kind of went to see it because you thought it looked okay, and then that was probably the best thing when you see a cinema all the time when you yeah. get a sneaky gem like that, and yeah. it's like that's why I pay the money. Yeah, that it was uh, like Jake Gyllenhaal and yeah. Hugh Jackman's performance in that is probably two of the best like individual performances I've seen from them in any of the films. Friend of the done. pod, Jake Gyllenhaal, definitely. <laughs> Detective Loki. And it's the storyline as well. It's the kind of conscious battle that you're yeah. having inside your own head because, well, we're not going to give anything yeah. away because go and watch it because it is good if you haven't watched it. But it's the conscientious battle you have with yourself. But following on from that type of film, it's like Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. I thought that was really good. That's it's like the a weirdest piece. opening scene of a film yeah. ever. Just I think I watched it. I think us three might have watched it we together. We did, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to watch it. Uh, another one I thought, Die Hard Free and... I'd argue that it's got an argument for being the best Die Hard film. Shoot me down if you need to. But Samuel L. Jackson, this was before it was like too much seeing Samuel L. Jackson playing the same character in everything. But it's probably the most rewatchable, I'd say. I've certainly watched it the most, at least. 
Run through the plot with me because I'm trying to remember if I've seen it. I've seen all of it. It's uh, you'd remember it by obviously Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson. Each time they answer the phone and they get told like you have to do this within this certain time or yeah, this is going to yeah. happen. What about and this may be in the same bracket as uh, the A Team that Alex has thrown in, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films. I I've not really rewatched them recently. But at the time, I do remember thinking they're good films. And I checked on IMDb. They, they've they peaked at a 5.5. Yeah, I'll give you that. I Like you, I haven't watched them in a few years. But at the time, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were brilliant. Uh, certainly better than the most recent one that they've came out. They've confirmed a sequel for that today. And I preferred the other ones. But that is like close to a 7. What, the new one? Yeah. You rated that one a 7? No, not me. Oh, the oh, ratings oh, 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 are oh, that's it's ridiculous. like a six point nine, I think. It was awful. Maybe they just prefer Alicia Vikander to Angelina Jolie. She, the thing is though, she's brilliant and I can you know, I can see why she is probably gonna hopefully continue like make a good Tomb Raider if uh, if they continue, but I thought it was bloody awful. I had two other suggestions. The wedding singer for one, Adam Sandler it's it it's almost seems hipster now to like Adam Sandler. People absolutely just people that hate him. He seems to be one where he. I hate using the phrase like marmite, but the people that hate him do absolutely hate him. And you would struggle to tell people that he has so many classics now if you said, "Search his name on Netflix. Watch a lot. Watch the first few that come up, and you'd be Christ. I can't think of anything less funny than this bloke." Well, this is it. The wedding singers before we kind of got into just churning out crap films, yeah. and there's like post 51st dates I'd probably say that's where it starts I mean Grown Ups isn't actually that bad no, of a I quite film like Grown Ups. I think it's quite decent it's got a good enough I watched the cast. second one again recently with Stone Cold yeah yeah decent films but again he plays the same character in all of it and then he pl- <laughs> then he plays that one where he plays the same character twice but one in a male and a female Jack form yeah that one <laughs> so it's like he's almost rubbed it in your face to the point of I'm really rich because I've done this <laughs> all the same but they are going to do it, but two different genders as well in the same film. It's... Leads nice on to my one. I've said it before. That's my boy. Just get shit on constantly, yeah. but I maintain it's a work of art, honestly. I was in tears watching it. Him and, uh, what's it, Sandberg. Just stuff of genius. The most underrated teen comedy, that kind of thing, is Sex Drive. And I won't hear a bad word said right. about it. I'd argue I laugh more times during that than The Hangover, and I'm gonna oh, mic wow. drop when, on that. The thing is, when you were growing up wow. and you watched it for the first time, I remember my parents had Sky, and then I had it on the Sky player on my Xbox in my room because they didn't know I could get Sky in my room. <laughs> they were, they were lo- I was loving it, and I found this film. I thought, oh yeah, we'll give this a go. And there's this one part right at the beginning that just sticks in my mind, where he's like benching a barbell <laughs> whilst the girl <laughs> is in a bed doing something else to it, and it was just the funniest thing because. It, we, I liken it to a certain person who went to our secondary school, Lou, who um, I'll probably tell you who it is after the show, but it was just just the funniest thing to see that cliche in front of me. Well, the thing where he's at the, I was going to say ceremony, I don't know the right words, the, like the, the gathering of like, uh, no, of the victims who of uh, assault and he's yeah. and he sees the birds on the side of the stage and he's got the rod on but the, yeah. the Amish bloke is one of the funniest characters I've, Seth Green, I've ever it? seen yeah yeah it's like the really sarcastic Amish man I've got I always think because 
like years and years and years ago, I uploaded these two Ed Sheeran videos and two Rizzle Kicks videos to YouTube because I couldn't play them on my laptop, but YouTube would accept it. Right. And I'd already, when I was younger, put every Arsenal clip I'd downloaded from LimeWire into Windows Movie Maker and put it on. And uh, came back however long after when you could check the views. And it had over 100,000 hits on there. I foolishly went on and tried to uh, monetize it at the time, thinking I'm going to get big yeah. here. This, and then obviously you do that, then it was copyrighted immediately. <laughs> but I had all these subscribers because of it. So I uploaded these Ed Sheeran and Rizzle Kicks videos and uh, two of them went over a quarter of a million hits. And then what? they, yeah, and then they were again taken down <laughs> and they're still up on another random channel. But, I always think now, so I still have a fair amount of subscribers on my YouTube channel. And if anyone just goes and looks in the favourites on there, it's the most random <laughs> bunch of things. Like recently it's gone to just being like music if I want to just put it on at work and just let it kind of run through in a, in a closed tab. But in the middle of that, you will find a compilation of the Amish bloke from <laughs> Sex Drive. <laughs> so if someone's just on like a wormhole it's going through. It's like an through. absolute gold mine in there. It's like Jim Playlist and he comes across. Does anyone else have any others to chuck out? Because I do have a couple of uh, news headlines to bring back strange news of the week. We're going full authentic podcast here before we get into the sports. Any takers? No. Okay, so... The first one, and it probably is of interest to everyone until I then reveal the end of it. So, KFC has started to sell chicken skin fries in that they're literally just twirling a chicken skin and then in the shape of a fry and selling them, which does sound unbelievable, but it's only in Indonesia. Uh. So, it just reminded the South Park episode where... Kyle's mum for his birthday gets a big KFC bucket for everyone and he sneaks in and steals all the skin off the chicken yeah. and puts the chicken back. <laughs> Somebody's got the gravy. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That's where he's Scarface and he's got the uh, pool full of the gravy. <laughs> okay. Would you go to Indonesia for it? Would you go there especially? I won't go anywhere near that because I like my home comforts too much yeah, and I've seen like, when people say it's part of the experience going to a hostel could not think of anything worse <laughs> like a lab we both know has just gone through the whole asia thing and i see the pictures and think this looks okay but i know the second i land it's gonna be hot yeah. there's gonna be bugs flying everywhere yeah, the facilities aren't good enough for you to take a shit you're gonna be all over the place no to be fair i've had to go to work recently so if, if i can cope with some of the ones there sometimes all right next one this follows on the transitions I've got today. 16-year-old caught driving 105 miles per hour blames hot wings and need for bathroom in Manitoba, Canada. I mean, I, fe- I feel his sympathy. I do. F- I can really empathise with the guy. It's still 30 miles an hour less than Reyes was driving as well, to be fair. Oh! <laughs> I did say we'd nice. let people get into it this week, so... I know I went to Zaza Bazaar once and I was poisoned there and... If I was driving, I would have been going the same price, but uh, the same speed. But I obviously couldn't tell people to speed up, and so I was in the back of the car. Where the point where you realise is like, is it is it a far? Is it more? And then you get that like shudder that goes through your whole body. It's like Jesus, I've got about an hour left in this car. Talk about an overrated restaurant as well. Zaza's Bazaar yeah, is terrible. Just an, it's just literally it's, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet of all the different delicacies. The quality isn't amazing it's like it's nothing special if you want a decent meal go to a rest like a proper restaurant they essentially thrown tables in like an iceland and you've just got all the all the iceland bits cooked around you 
what I was essentially pestering the bloke asking when the chicken burger was going to be ready and kind of just stood around and he must have thought, right, you want it so bad, here you go. It says a lot that the second time I went was actually worse than the first, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> Next tale then. Uh, doctors in Morozov Children's Hospital in Moscow feared that a poor 13-year-old chap may have had a tumour after they felt a lump in his testicle. So they decided to operate immediately. However, they were left astonished to find the cause of the lump was a molar tooth, which was actually missing from his mouth and had evidently decided to grow in his ball instead. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's absolutely unbelievable. Can I just go back a, to your pronunciation? Can I just go back to your pronunciation of Moscow? <laughs> Whereabouts in America are you from, Luke? Well, I've got, I've got my uh, Canadian accent on from the last, uh, yeah. the last thing, just to show you what it's all about. If I could find the picture, I'm conscious that I do grill. This is like when I ask Alex a hypothetical question, I'm saying, I think you can't hear the silence. I think I'm going to step out of this one. I don't want to look. I don't think my stomach can take it. It's very current. This could be a Chernobyl thing. It could have ended up with a tooth growing in his yeah. ball. What's the picture? I, I might have to come back to it. If I give it, I can give it two seconds. Well, I can live it. without seeing that. I mean, I can take your word for it. You think that, but then you see it. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it's definitely his tooth. It's not someone else's tooth lodged in his ball. Does anybody remember when we were talking the other week about the film, uh, the film Teeth? It's like the male version <laughs> of that. Yeah, I found it. So this is the tooth they pulled out. It's the size of that. And that's it then coming out of his ball. It's fucking blurred. I mean, could they try and reattach <laughs> it? <laughs> and that's the other side of the tooth was missing. That seems just a little bit too convenient. Oh my! Hey, when when the story's better, you don't question it. <laughs> okay, so from one dark subject to the next, FIFA is entrenched in chauvinism. That's the quote from Hope Solo referring to the prize money on offer in both uh, the Women's World Cup and the Men's World Cup. So the big question we have here, and I we have done this once before. I couldn't remember if this was before or after Alex has started. If you weren't on, then probably distance yourself from it as much as you can. So, do we feel this is accurate? Do we feel they should be receiving the same prize money? And if not, is there a sport in which we feel women deserve to be paid the same as men? Speaking of women's sports, first of all, congratulations, Alex, on your win yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want. He was giving me this look across the table, and I thought, is he waiting for me is to mention it? Is he waiting for me to mention it? We're starting late today. <laughs> We had this before, actually. The last race he won, he phoned in sick on the Monday, didn't he? And we had to do an upstairs pod in the boiling heat. <laughs> Just be thankful that I'm here. I, 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 I barely wow. awake. Well, I'm broke for He's gone big time. <laughs> I could I could have not showed up today. Just like literally got you were him sleeping, You were sleeping straight after the race. You probably had more sleep than all of us. I like, literally closed my eyes for five minutes in Nando's. Hardly a nap. Well, I mean, we're going to get on to England later. I was going to grill you and say how awful it was that you didn't watch England with us because you had a race Sunday, but then it does seem as if maybe it did pay off. So we'll I knew what know. I was yeah, doing. We will never know. I knew what I was doing. He might have won by a better margin if he'd won England. We don't <laughs> yeah. know that he wouldn't. Okay, first of all, just a one, one word answer. Does anyone here feel that the Women's World Cup prize money should be level to the Men's World Cup prize money? No. 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 <laughs> you don't know my answer yet but no it is a no 
the breakdown I have here, so it, it goes further than just the World Cup, and that's kind of an excuse for us to get into the question if we uh, hold our hands up. But the comparison that's been done is if you type in Hope Solo comments or whatever to Google, you see a whole thread of comments of people saying how disgraceful it is and they should all be earning the same <laughs> yeah. amount. They say the gender pay gap in sports is only the, is only, uh, the tip of the iceberg, that kind of thing. The stat that was uh, banded out mostly was a comparison during the 27-18 season where Messi earned 64.5 million, which equates to £15,048 per minute played. Alex Morgan, who's meant to be the, the best women's player, at least was in 2017-18, earned 495000 in the year, equating to £431 per minute played. It gets worse in that if you say the fourth best player in the world, we're going to say someone like Neymar, that kind of level. So if you could equate to what they earn, then uh, this one was earning, like I think it was like £17 a minute was what her relativity was. And if you look at what Neymar's get at PSG. But the big question is, is it some thing entrenched in chauvinism as she says, or is it simply fact the eyes aren't there, the support isn't there, and so the money isn't there? It's it's the latter. It's definitely that. I mean, you've only got to watch... I, I turned it on yesterday because I thought, I want to watch England. I watched the England game. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch England versus Scotland. It's a big game, no matter who's kind of playing behind it. It's like kids level, under 18s, whatever. It's a big game. World Cup as well. I wanted to really see it for myself. I've watched... I watched actually the Women's World Cup where we lost to Japan. I got into the kind of hype train of that because the men's team have been so poor in recent times. But I looked at it and honestly, the quality just isn't there to bring in the money that the men's game does. It's not... It's it's, it's hard to without sitting on the fence. So I'm not going to sit on the fence. I'm just saying men are just better at it. The, it's just the skill set. And I think this is highlighted the most with the keepers. <laughs> oh god! Well, they, they, so, want, they want smaller goals, don't no, they? No, then they should get them. I think they should have smaller goals, a smaller football, and a bigger sm- gloves. <laughs> yeah, and a smaller pitch as well, because that pitch is designed for like, on average, we'll say a footballer what six foot. On average, um, what would you say weighs twelve, thirteen stone? Powerful, athletic person, and like, what the average woman would you say? I don't know. Is it five at seven between five at four, five at seven? Uh, athletic ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just not designed. Like you think of strides and how many steps that has to take, and it's just not very good watching. I mean, it's the quality of the game would be better if you did that as well. Exactly. It'd be, it'd be, if you stick kids on a massive pitch, they're going to be yeah. pretty exactly. terrible. So. <laughs> so there is that kind of age-old question of, well, if the boys' team played the women's team, yeah. what would happen? And it was actually happened in Australia, wasn't it? It was the Newcastle yeah, it was bad Newcastle <laughs> Jets under 15s played the I think it was the Australian, Australian women's team women's, yeah. that's it like the national team yeah. uh, the full women's first team and they won like 16-0 yeah oh, I, think it was, I think it was 17 you've done it with yeah. the service well yeah yeah, 17-0 so the golf is you can just sit so well they they're kind of the American women's team are just about the only team that can argue when it comes to the salary because the money they bring in is something like 400% more than the men's national team. And so they took them to court and said, all right, well, in terms of 
turn them out to in terms of the uh, they'll do an equivalence and they'll yeah. pay like what it should be in terms of that and they're going back again saying they deserve even more so that that i agree yeah. with that well, if if they bring they're it, one of the best at it, aren't they so they'll they'll if 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 they were in my garden we had someone from every country in my garden and they were doing a race from one end to the other if the americans had a chance of winning they would tune in for yeah. it yeah yeah you're right yeah and the thing is as well with that i agree that they should be paid more than the men if they're bringing in more money than the men are then Definitely, definitely should. I think there's, I mean, we're saying that it, they shouldn't be paid the same, but that's not to say at some point in the distant future, because it's going to take a long, long time, that they can't get to that point. I mean, the, I mean, we're all for giving women, like, giving women equal opportunity. Um, and just because they're not, just because they're not earning at the moment the same amount, because they're not technically bringing in the revenue, isn't that us then taking that possibility away well, from them. Well, Hope, Hope Solo was on the punditry team yesterday. I will say, I could barely listen to her for more than about five seconds. She is one of the most stuck-up people I think I've ever seen really? on TV. It's like prime savage levels when he's got the ponytail. It's like <laughs> it's like that bad. Something, I, something I, I do hate, and I think we're all in the same boat for the most part, regardless of what jokes we make and so on. I almost found myself siding with them when I hate it when you don't kind of back your own. And this comes to Alex not supporting England with us on Thursday, right down to uh, anything. And Vardy's wife tweeted out a picture of the yeah. panel, yeah. the panelists saying, uh, Oh, it's all about equality now. It's like, I'm sure no one is putting up a big complaint about there being a panel of four women. I'd rather there be four people who are passionate about that game than like we say the other way around, then yeah. just stick someone on there to fill a quota. Yeah, exactly. You had, a, you had I no, Chapman on commentary? Yeah, I had absolutely yeah. no qualms with that at all. I thought, what, I don't, that was like a non-issue. It was one of those non-issues. I mean, when we go back to the point of, do I feel, I think the question, do you feel women should be paid as men, in, the same as men in football, is relative to how much they bring in. I think it is, and how relative to how skillful they are. So, going back to, we, we give like, try and, we're trying to increase equal opportunity, but equal opportunity doesn't always guarantee equal outcome. So if you can give the same amount of opportunity, you would probably still hedge your bets that the men's game would develop a lot more than the women's game was just for purely kind of biological differences. So that's why I do feel that smaller goals, smaller pitches, maybe decreased half times. I don't know. But it's just, there's differences in all sport. And going back to what you said earlier about, is there a sport? that you think women should be paid more than men, field hockey. The women's field hockey is so much more, well, so much more level with men, if not better. But in football, there's that massive gulf, and I will come back to keepers in a second, because <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you look out on the pitch and you think, mm, I don't know, I know like under 18 standard, like league, sta- league two standard conference, something like that. But then the goalkeeper steps in, and then all of a sudden, it's like watching someone <laughs> in primary school. It's like sticking someone that doesn't know how to play in goal, well, like a striker in goal. So we said we said last week with a keeper present that the majority of keepers end up being keepers because they identify that you have a far better, greater chance of playing when you're younger if you're the keeper that nobody else wants to be compared to. So this may be the the thing with if you think of all these people that couldn't be on the women's pitch. 
then that's probably not the stats. <laughs> and then you're putting them in goal. Yeah. If we bring in Alex's points, I think I do have the solution to amend the game completely. <laughs> like so, with them, um, with this as well. I mean, you could argue that it's um, it's not just in terms of um, the reason why they shouldn't earn is the same as well. It's also women's football is not not as competitive as men's, and that's nothing. That's no disrespect to how hard they compete once they're there. It's the fact that like think of how many. Foot, like how many people don't make it in the football and like in the men's game? Think of how, like just in terms of the sheer amount of people who try and make it in the footballing world, um, the amount of teams that there are. It's so much more competitive. It's so much bigger. The women's game. I mean, I I probably know three girls in in my life. I've known three girls that play women's football. Uh, like at just like a ca- as a casual level, I could name probably three thousand times more boys who play football that is the numbers that we're playing with you know that that is the difference and that level of competitive through sheer numbers is 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 plain and simple following on from that brilliant point because that's a great point so what i wanted to say was again following on from that if you look at the amount of boys that grow up playing football and don't make it and they've tried and they've really worked their ass off the girls that i know that play football all play for like chatham town or forest green or sometimes even reading women and it was actually funny enough one Reading player was going out with someone that I, I know, that I'm friends with, and he came down and brought her and put her in goal because she was a keeper for Reading's women. And he put her in goal in five a side. That's savage. Yeah, to see what would happen. And even it, like a, a hungover... <laughs> to see what would happen. <laughs> to, to like an, a hungover Sunday after a night uptown on the Saturday, we still won like, I think it was something like 12 nil. And How did the relationship work out with those two? <laughs> she, wa- she wasn't the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> what? Now, stop me if anyone thinks this is out of order because <laughs> this is genuinely what I think is the fix. So we look at all sports and we've had several debates recently about the inclusion of trans athletes in women's sports. Now, I think we bring them into women's sports because it's been proven that men are better at football than women. So... We take these trans athletes over, and if maybe some Sunday league people, some some of the um, like non-league people that couldn't do it, you transition on a weekend, you go over. I think it'll improve the quality of the game. If maybe if you have it, you know, under twenty ones football, where you're allowed a certain amount of players over <laughs> over twenty one, if they can have like a certain amount of trans athletes in their team, just to kind of up the standard a bit, it'll bring some more eyes to it, and then gradually from there. We'll take it forward. I sincerely hope you're not serious. <laughs> I've I've got images of like a, a you trans your country needs you sort of poster going on. And then you'll a get recruitment scheme. And then you have like an increased level of trans people well, to like just so they can make it as a footballer. Do you remember in uh, the film Dodgeball what a difference it made when they had one bloke <laughs> on the Brownies team that they were able to knock out the entire <laughs> squad? These are the kind of levels that we're talking about to make a difference in the game. Even if we just have it as like, you can have a loan sign every so often. You can have one in your team just to kind of like boost it up. Mm. And then we just go from there because you get some more eyes on there. These people were all inclusive. I mean, the women... I mean, you're diving quite far into this. Are you actually being serious with this? Is this, is this the answer? I think it could help. <laughs> I said they aren't entirely my views. I spoke over Alex earlier and we just decided that together... 
to be fair, if we're talking about like uh, if it's just like they, the women's game can have a few men on loan, is what you're getting at as well. Potentially, I mean, you could give well, off. You, no, that, that's Arsenal's problem we solved. Don't. You could say eleven of your players, you could loan them all out because they're all a bunch of girls. Özil, prime example. We refer to them as the female pronouns once they have transitioned. So you've shown your ignorance there. <laughs> Transitioning on from that point. There's a lot of transition. Yeah. yeah. We spoke about Casta Semenya the other week, and this links in with the Rebecca Vardy point. And so, how can the sport expect to progress if the women won't support each other? And you have Casta Semenya, and if you look at, say, the UFC, all it took was Ronda Rousey to take it to a certain level and have the eyes on, and all of the money came up. So, not every woman is going to be paid Ronda Rousey levels, but not every bloke is going to be paid Lionel Messi levels. So all it takes is someone to bring eyes and show, look, there is this quality here. It gets more people invested in there. And so I think the female community should be behind someone like Casta Semenya and you try and turn her into your bolt, your whatever, and you get behind her. And people will tune in if there's a phenomenon in any sport. If I wouldn't watch any athletics apart from the Olympics, when I know it's going to be the best of the best yeah. and I wouldn't watch a random 100 metres no. but once I know Usain Bolt's in it it brings so many other eyes and we spoke previously when we did about doping and we said about if Usain Bolt was to be caught how catastrophic it would be because so many people have got their interest solely through him as a person and so she should be the outlet to push the sport on rather than like vilified yeah. everyone trying to push her out and instead you have a more even playing field but there's not much interest going into it. No, I agree. I agree because you look at Lionel Messi, for example, he's done stuff with the football that I haven't seen done by anyone else and I don't see anyone close to him for that well factor. Will we going to start vilifying him because he's too short, because his centre of gravity is better, because his balance is better, like naturally. I think the Casa Semenya case is completely unfair personally because... Look at, like I said, Usain Bolt. He's got the weirdest, like, frame for a hundred meters printed, but it just turns out to be exactly what it needed to be to be that good. So, like Michael Phelps, the way his body shape is, we went into all of that on previous parts. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that you should definitely just get behind yeah. someone. And if there was a woman footballer um, that was at Messi's level, well, then you would tune in. And well, watch that's it. the thing. The argument I've seen. I think it was made by Alex Morgan who puts the case across far better because in in anything no matter what you do if people think that you're lecturing at them they're going to switch off in seconds if you're having a reasonable discussion and you outline why i think this is the case people are going to be far more likely to listen and the case that alex morgan made was that there is the talent there but if you compare the money on marketing in the two sports then (laughs) even if they have this talent, it's going to be so hard to unearth it that not enough people are going to see it to bring the money in. But that that is true. But then that also comes down to, I mean, there's this saying, isn't there, that if you give people equal opportunity, then the outcome isn't always going to be equal. You're going to find people that do swing to their natural tendencies that women will choose to do other things than men. They won't go down the same path. So, like I said earlier, that all the women and the girls that I knew playing football growing up, now we'll play for league standard teams like Forest Green, Cheltenham, etc., etc. But that's because I, I can count on two hands 
the amount of girls that I saw playing football when I grew up. That be that playing in the same teams up until I think it's like under twelve. You're not like playing in the same team as each other anymore. You have to go into girls, but there's that just was not. Always rough if you got cla- if you got clattered by a girl. Oh, there, there is there is this girl that oh, played. There was this girl that played for Brockworth called Molly, and she scored a hat trick against me. She was a baller. She was class. I don't know what she's doing now. She was absolutely class, but put it that is that rare that I can remember a name, and mm. that was. 13, 14 years ago. Well, it goes back with the, the female audience as well. If you talk about uh, sort of growing the game, if you look at football as a predominantly male-based audience in a, a male sport, that same that isn't mirrored in the women's game. Predominantly, I imagine, there's a lot of men watching. For example, like we watch England, yeah. people tuning in for that. And the things like Rebecca Vardy chiming in with that, was that was a classic case of... Please love me, lads. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not the same as these radical feminists. I'm one, of, yeah, feminists. I'm one I'm, of you. Yeah. yeah, I thought that kind of thing. But a little bit like Luke said, if you're, if women aren't going to kind of support the game, then mm. your sort of core audience, if if football, if men were resistant to watching football in the first place, you'd have quite an uphill struggle to gain the audience that they're trying to do. And that's what the, the women's sport is struggling to do. And you're going to have a reasonable amount of people as, as much as we've, made some sort of joking suggestions on here, but you're going to have people who are genuinely quite sort of sexist and chauvinistic who aren't going to be interested in it. I agree. Purely on the basis, regardless of standard. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes back to the thing of, we've made valid points in terms of why they can't have as much money as male footballers at this point. But there probably is a relative amount of chauvinism oh, in FIFA and stuff as well. So, no, there is. I mean, you think there's a fair amount of corruption and racism in FIFA, so yeah. to, they, I don't think they're going to draw the line at, at being sexist, are they? No, exactly. So if you had um, sort of like the two two things of like a similar sort of level of brand, for example, mm. I dare say the men still would get heavily favoured because it's kind of men looking after their own. Yeah. But as it is, I think we're so far away from the women's game becoming that. It's, I don't know if there's a conversation to be even had about it at this point. I think from like a per, like from a purely standardised skill level viewing, like there's games that I don't watch, like Huddersfield versus Brighton. I'm not going to watch it. And like, if I look at lower league games on the telly, am I going to sit there and think, I can't be asked to watch that? But if it's El Clasico, then I'm going to be sat down watching it. If it's Bayern versus Dortmund, I'm going to be sat down watching that. But there's men's, what I'm trying to say is there's men's games that because the standard I don't feel will be enjoyable for me to watch, I just won't watch it. I do think part of it, and I'm sure whether people say it or not, everyone's guilty of, the majority of the most famous female athletes in the world are based on looks rather than ability. If aside from Ronda Rousey, if you ask most people who the who they recognise the names of in the UFC, Paige Van Zandt would be the number one. If you ask uh, people in tennis, then just as many people are probably going to know Sharapova as they are Serena Williams. If you look in, that is true, yeah. And I mean. Alex Morgan was just in uh, this year's Sports Illustrated and so she's going to be one of the most, and she's probably the name that most people know when it comes to uh, female sports there. And When you have it is that everyone is guilty of it. I mean, Laura Merrin is, I think, the most followed footballer outside of America on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because she plays for Everton and New Zealand, I think it is. It, it's certainly for other reasons. And that's, that's going to be an issue as, as long as it goes on. And you need to use those eyes on it 
to display the talent. And that's what happened with the UFC. So the UFC had a prime uh, availability when they had Ronda Rousey going against Amanda Nunes. Yeah. 90% of people who had seen both fight and knew the stages both were in on knew that Amanda Nunes was absolutely going to murder Ronda Rousey. And so the smart thing to do is you bill her as this killer as much as you're selling Rousey. And then the people who tune in to see Rousey see Amanda Nunes and say, well, we all tuned in to see Ronda Rousey do this to all these women. She's actually better at it. We keep that on there. Instead, they showed absolutely no coverage of Amanda Nunes. And so it was just like a flash in the pan when it happened. And instead you had uh, a Brazilian... Uh, the first female Brazilian champion, the first lesbian champion in the UFC, and you had every marketing availability there, and they they wasted it. And that's what you need to do. They need to use the kind of leg-ups they have to capitalise on it. What they're doing at the Emirates Cup this year, and I'll be honest, it's I don't think many people are going to be going to watch it, is rather than have four teams over two days, they're having... The Arsenal women play first and then the Arsenal men play after and it's just a one-day thing. So a lot of people, I'm sure, if if they can capture, say they sell 40,000 tickets, if they can capture 2% of those people to say, oh, I'm going to watch another Arsenal women's game from there, then it's done its job. And so they need to maximise the marketing opportunities they have and go from there. But it seems like each sport shoots itself in the foot when when it gets there and just doesn't let itself progress. Is there a sport? So you you mentioned um, field hockey. And so in tennis, they've made the change where certainly some tournaments, I think it's maybe all tournaments now, have leveled out the prize pots for the male tournament and the women's tournaments. Djokovic was vilified for saying <laughs> that is not right. And he essentially said what we all think. We play longer matches. We play against more competition. Why would it be the same? And then you see Serena saying, in fact, we should be paid more because of what we put our bodies through in this. So so there has to be a middle ground. and There isn't any way where you can mathematically say, this is what it should be for you. This is what it should be for you. What I feel it should be is... Kind of the draw, so if you you should get a percentage of whatever the draw is, you should get if you know if you buy from analytics and ticket sales and things like that, and viewing figures and whatnot. If the same amount of people or if more people tuned in to watch the women's French Open final as the men French Open final, then they should be paid more. Simple as that, it should be done purely on that. But then, in the same argument, I can also see that if that is the case and then they're never going to get a chance to progress because there will never be that much money into it. So I can see where they're coming from. So I can see the Emirates Cup, I think that's a fantastic idea because if you're ever going to get a, an atmosphere like that... I do I do worry people are just going to turn up for the second game. I think it's going to be a bad look. Yeah. But if, then you can say it's a friendly anyway and they're, they're going to get to play at the Emirates, they're going to play in front of a bigger crowd and all you need to capture is a couple of... Well, I suppose the aim is there's a couple of young girls in the crowd that get brought down to see it for the first time and then they say, oh, from here now, I want to play football. Yeah. And it goes... And that's that's what's happened with the UFC. We haven't had competitors that were going to beat Rousey from the start. And we see now that her skill set was very limited. But all it took was her inspiring 
several people to come through. And we see it with uh, boxers, don't we, where we see, and it was, oh, in MMA, we had Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz. And Cody Garbrandt came into the UFC watching Dominic Cruz and he said, I've been planning how to beat you my entire life. And that's what you need. You need a young girl to say, I've been planning to be able to beat you in a cup final, to be able to play as well as you and go from there. But it just needs to be, the men should help out when they can because it benefits everyone if you have a better product. We all get to watch better sport and it goes from there. But it's just got to be done the right way. And pitting men against women is never going to work because most, the majority of your core audience are going to be turned off before they're even turned on. You're saying about um, a sport uh, that's like where they should be paid the same. I'll be totally honest with you. Um, and it's not, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's probably one of the best examples at the moment. Um, so like the, the Ironman triathlon world, the um the women's field and the men's field is probably as close as like the probably one of the best examples of let's say equal prize money and equal equal opportunity um there is there is it maybe at the so the challenge championship in Samarin uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, the women's and males prize purse is exactly the same it's 150,000 combined and it's split evenly across the winners um and that if you were then to compare that to potential, the biggest show, the biggest show, which is the Ironman World Championship of Kona, I think the male prize purse is bigger. And the only reason that that is at the moment is because there are more male pros out there. So it's more competitive. So that's the reason why. However, the women's prize purse is not that far behind. The reason that it's so good is the women's and the men's pro race is both uh, it's both equal they both got to do the exact same thing the women always are slower but the competitiveness and the entertainment value is is exact is exactly the same um there is in fact actually uh, the best female pro in the world at the moment daniela reef is actually kind of a bit of not casta semenya like not that sort of standard but she is an absolute beast on the she's like she's an she's very pretty as well i didn't know where you were going she she she, she's very pretty as well but she's actually beast but she's actually get she's so strong um that she at a few races now has actually let's say finished top top 10 even amongst the male like top 10 overall times even against the male pros which is like a statement like that is huge um so it's that sort of level. But when you've watched the, the top pro races, the women's race often in recent years has been more entertaining than the men's pro race. Um, and it's it's things like that. And it's not it's not because like triathlon, uh, like with the women's sports, they didn't go in and say, we're going to be equal from the start and all that sort of stuff. I, they just created a, an equal opportunity for them both to be entertaining. They offered equal coverage. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's not, it's not perfect. There are flaws, which I'm not, I won't go into, but... That is a good example, but however, it's the parameters of what we're looking at. Ultimately, it's it's, both, it's the two fields doing the exact same thing over a exact same distance. It's not the same as football in terms of we could easily get back into the sort of skill debate here, but to an easy viewing sort of point of view, it's a much easier point of comparison and a much easier point of. I mean, you know, when you think of men versus women in the Olympics, for example, the women's coverage gets probably equal amount to the men's coverage, um, and it's just as entertaining. I mean, you could probably name more. Uh, like, I'd probably hazard a guess. I could probably name more successful female athletes in the athletics world than men. I think because it kind of gets to a point you get a few 
headliners in the men's field and you get much more a lot more in the way of characters in the women's field in terms of more because i don't know maybe it's a little bit more competitive i don't know it's it's hard to say but simone biles is i think the third most searched american athlete and she receives i think it's the third most marketing money of an american athlete so if you are the top of your craft and i think it is going to come yeah i think it's like with uh, alex is showing there so if you do have a product where you've got things where everything's the same i.e. in terms of what they're being asked to do but also the audience is probably isn't too dissimilar in terms of who's watching then the opportunities will come via that it's because there's such a disparity in terms of the interest in the male game and the, the women's game in football that, that the the differences lie and a little bit like you just touched on there is a constant pitting of men against women in terms of particularly on social media in terms of how it's portrayed where you will see men I think are probably chiefly responsible in terms of the amount that will write on stupid stuff, just like, you, you know, you'll have a post about a women's game and they'll say, I'm not interested, this is shit or whatever, something really intelligent. But then you'll have, sometimes people presenting the women's game, I think also don't help because they do draw comparisons very quickly. And so they're always quite quick to say, look, it's still football. It's slightly different, but it's still football. So I don't think necessarily, we've said it before with um, Katie Teller, Katie Taylor with women's boxing they always make a point after her fight saying it's not women's boxing it's just boxing it's like well you're the one who's just mentioned it actually we're not the ones bringing it up you're the one who by trying to not make the comparison you've directly made the comparison it's funny how you should mention that actually because whenever I've watched a women's boxing match I've never thought oh this is women's boxing I've always thought this is boxing same with UFC it's just the women's class it's not like women's football it's actually called women's football yeah there's a big thing in uh, UFC at the moment where a lot of the female fighters are saying they don't want to be to be referred to online as WMMA yeah. because it is MMA. Yeah, exactly. And you see, if it's at the top of the game, I would much rather see a high-level women's fight than a lower-card men's fight. I like yeah. watching women's <clears throat> MMA. I enjoy watching women's tennis. The issue is that sometimes you have the makings of a really good game and you just want to have that extra set and there's no reason why there shouldn't be other than it just has been set in stone and I imagine these women have been playing their whole lives to fit to this standard where we have it in women's boxing where even some women boxers come out and said, look, I'd rather be fighting for three minutes around because it's hard to get it all done in two minutes but it's just set in stone. I think the funny thing about that is that from with football, it's got such global reach You'll be hard-pressed, even the people that don't like football in the UK, weirdos as they are, but you'll be hard-pressed to find one person to say, I've never once kicked a football. How many people, how many blokes can you honestly go and ask and think their answer's going to be, I've never, ever kicked a football? Whereas you could ask, like, say, a girl the same question, and it'd be different. But the problem you're always going to have is because football is so global, and it's so big, and everyone loves it so much and everyone has kicked that ball, is that everyone's going to think, oh, I could do that better than them. Yeah. I've got my dad, when we when Chelsea missed an open goal, I've got my dad saying, I could have scored that, and yeah. he's 60-odd. And it's like, you wouldn't have even got there. But, <laughs> but what you're going to find is, if you're going to see even lower standards on a higher platform, such as women's football sometimes, you're going to get millions of blokes sat in front of their tennis saying, I could do better than that. Well, I always, I always reference the first game of the season, Arsenal Liverpool. Coutinho scored a free kick, and a bloke came on Arsenal fan TV after and said, "I promise you, I could have saved." Yeah, that. yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing is, again, going back to the women's goalkeeper, the gulf is so large. Is that 
there were saves yesterday being lauded as that's a fantastic yeah. save. And I was thinking, if I make that save on a Saturday league, I get dropped because that's not good enough. Because you've got to hold the ball, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. So, like I said, because there's so many more people, I was like, like tennis, for example, never picked up a tennis racket ever. I tried it the other week. Yeah, we, and I, I was people absolutely. find that weird that we never played it yeah, in school. I was absolutely useless at it. And it's like going back to the UFC, the reason why it shouldn't be called WUFC or yeah, whatever it is, WMA. It's because I look at that and I think you would kick the absolute yeah, yeah, yeah. shit out of me. But there's, there's people that do believe that they could beat like the lower weight classes of no. men or the women. It's because it's a skill set. happened in Brazil recently where a guy tried to uh, rob what they didn't know was a women's MMA fighter and uh, <laughs> she uh, dropped him, broke his nose and then held him in a choke for 25 minutes. With him die? trying to wriggle free, Jeez. well, they, she had him like secured, oh, right, secured until the police arrived, and they yeah. put like a, his mug shot out, and his face was like a blue. Yeah, <laughs> what with sorry with what we were speaking about tennis and the responsibility earlier, I can kind of see when you look back at even things we've done on here because we cover nine times out of ten the most popular things in the sporting world that week, and you had Naomi Osaka came out and she should have been her kind of crowning moment as bursting onto the scene. Mm. And we were talking about the tantrums Serena Williams had yeah. on the court because she lost. And these kind of things happen. And the way you should say with the levels, and that should be what determines the money, is should be the level. Because otherwise it you can have the BBL, the British Basketball League, should be saying, well, we play basketball as well. Why aren't we making the same <laughs> as the NBA? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. And you've got, I went to go and watch Cardiff Devils a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of months ago, sorry, in the... Like the British Ice Hockey Championships. I've been wanting to go to this and nobody... <laughs> really? Sam is the one we were meant to go together. I, yeah, and he wouldn't I went go. with my mate at the Motorport Arena in Cardiff and it's actually a great crack. Yeah, it's I've, brilliant. It's so, it's I've, so... I've had a good night watching Worcester basketball. Yeah. There's some absolute freaks there, but yeah. I've yeah. had a good time watching it. <laughs> but then if you say the argument, why wouldn't the British um, Ice Hockey League be paid the same as the NHL? They'll say, well... Don't be stupid. They'd laugh at you. They'd look yeah, at you like... Yeah, they show some of it on Premier Sports and the quality is like nuts. Yeah. The golf in it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. And again, going back to that point that I made about you've had so many people kick a football, more than they more people have kicked football than such any other kind of sporting equipment in the UK. I'd, I'd hedge my bets and say, you're going to get loads of people thinking, oh, I've hit top bins down the park before. <laughs> it's not that hard. Or... I can make that pass. It's a five-yard pass. And that's the problem you're going to get because it's such, it is almost larger than life football. And the problem is at this point, there's plenty of people that can make a legitimate case. That, whereas with the men's game, for example, you can laugh at someone who says, I could have done that. Yeah. But for example, England just played Scotland. And I got told, was it seven of the Scottish players are part-time? Yeah. So there's, you know, people that play in semi-pro now. Yeah. They can make a legitimate argument that, right, I... I played them off the park or whatever because I'm probably a similar sort of stance to them and I'm physically maybe more imposing than they are so Mm. that's maybe the problem that the women's game is going to face is that in males' minds whether how accurate it is or not they're going to be saying I could do it much in the same way as like Luke said that people think they could take on a flyweight UFC fighter which we know it isn't true but just as a sort of a a test, a visual test, they think, oh, I, I see it this way, I can do it. Well, that is exactly it. And that, go, again, goes back to the point where it's... I look at... I've tried my hand at tennis, was useless. I can see that they are genuinely better than I will ever be. Mm. And the same with MMA, the same with most sports. But 
And like even like women's rugby, for example, women's rugby isn't that bad. Like the like to watch has you don't you don't see the golf that you do in football in rugby. Women's rugby follows the same kind of tactics. It's probably played at a slightly slower, well, a slower pace for obvious reasons. But handling skills are pretty decent. I would probably say they're better than most men's like amateur Saturday league teams. Whereas the skill set in football you find so often that an easy pass goes out, it doesn't make the distance, the keeper just, I don't know what happens sometimes, I defenders can't catch up. I'm actually willing to play rugby. Well, yeah. That's enough for me. I, I guess. I suppose it's the risk. Yeah. I mean, what you, you, you said about uh, the kind of difference in the men's and women's levels. I've said before that even like uh, a friend we have, he's kind of the benchmark of what I've played with and what I've seen in person. And then, with no disrespect, you see the level that's at, and then you think. Even the worst players in the Premier League. I've always thought that. This I've asked so many times. Mm. A guy that we would all laugh at would be, you think of a player in the Premier League that everyone would. Bakayoko kind of, last well, well, a couple like of seasons ago. Or? Bentner is one of the biggest laughing stocks yeah. in Premier League history. Yeah. And then you imagine when he was at school or whatever, he was probably like the bee's knees. People oh, yeah. would have yeah. been looking at him like, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. So that's kind of then we see it. Uh, with women's I think just before we move on then I don't think any of us were ever ruling out there being an equal pay system or certainly not in certain sports like, I, I can be as entertained by a women's tennis match as a men's tennis match yeah. football I think there's a way to go women's UFC I can uh, yeah, well, women's fighting I can see that being the same yeah. there and so we're not ruling it out completely I mean we got our jokes off to start off with if you've not heard the jokes, I took them out because I thought they might have been a bit too far. <laughs> if you have heard them, hopefully you didn't take them too seriously. We laugh at just about anything that we cover. Mind we've said some awful things on here, so that's probably not the worst. <laughs> that's probably wouldn't be the worst. So, is anyone saying that they think now there should be an equal? If, if we go full circle, yeah. the women's World Cup compared to the men's World Cup, are any of us saying right now we think that the prize pot should be level? No, not yet, and. Put it this way, I was ju- just just come into my mind. Like, I've paid for pay per views to watch Ronda Rousey fight because of the profile, because of the hype that was around her. I'm not the biggest UFC fan. I watch the big events, but I don't cover it. I find it really interesting. I love watching it. Love seeing the knockouts. But I would, I'm definitely an armchair fan when it comes to it. So when I heard of the spectacle around Ronda Rousey, I tuned in, and I paid for that specific fight. So, that's where it could go, football. That I will tune in because it's England and watch. But until there's massive, massive... The women's game yesterday had um, a higher viewership than both of the England games in the last week put together. Really? Yeah. Well, that's great. That's really, really good. It's on terrestrial TV, which probably makes a difference. But still, yeah. there was... I think they said something like 38% of the... I don't know what channels it consists of, but 38% was the figure of the women's ones added up. And I think it was just another 20 for the third place playoff and just over for the that's other That's good. One. No, that's promising. I mean, I think what we shouldn't get doubt, what we shouldn't kind of nail our colours to the mast and say that I will never, ever want it to be equal pay because I want it to be equal pay. I, 
You can imagine if you can open up the world of football to being as good as the men's game is and then doubling it with the women's game. Like you'd be sport for choice for football matches to watch. As a spectator, I think that's fantastic. I want it to get to that point, but it's just not there yet. You can have your options so much more open as well, because if your men's team is doing shit, you could always just bank <laughs> on, oh, yeah. Liverpool having a great year with top of the league. <laughs> I, I, I think the way you've got to look at it for the for, for both sides, but larger the, the women's game, I think the, the, the element of comparison is hindering their argument a lot. It's a fact. The women's to the women's football, the ability, the competitive is not at the men's level. For, like just just forget it. Don't try and compare yourself to the men's game. Don't compare the pro, the money that's there right now. Accept you your own thing. You're independent and just focus focus on what you, the women's game needs to do better in itself. And it maybe needs to go a different way to the men's game. They don't know. They don't know what the necessary answer is. But the thing that makes the athletic where it's so much better with it, like in terms of equalness, in terms of coverage and competitiveness, that like the other sports and athletics and stuff, is that um, there there is no there is no comparison to like say oh the hundred meter women's sprint time compared to Usain Bolt's time. There's no yeah, comparison yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's just its own thing. It's you know, and there's no comparison or talk to. Uh, compared, there's no comparison in terms of the pay at all either. There's no comparison. It's that's hindering it. Just, they just need to go on their own journey and focus on their own thing. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like United fans, you know, with the whole Liverpool <laughs> thing. It's like they just need to focus on themselves and what they're doing, what they need to do. Don't forget about other people's success. I like uh, going to you for a little roundup at the end. If you ever watch Runs House, this is the equivalent of you in the bath with your blackberry <laughs> yeah. and the candles rounding it up. But we'll continue on. Jack's got a lot to answer for. Change My Mind then is back here. We're ready to go through it again. And it is Jack at the helm again. We referenced it last week. The topic now is John Cross said on Sky Sports last week that Eden Hazard was the best player to play in the Premier League since Ronaldo left in 2009. Is that true? Now, before we get into it, I did say earlier that we're going to start bringing this back weekly now. We've said it before, especially while the football season is out. And so to know who it's going to be out of me, Alex and TK, we're going to do a uh, quick random name picker. This uh, does have good history. It picked out the Rams for uh, Connor. So we'll see here now. It also picked out Sacramento for him. So So I'll uh, get rid of any of this uh, silence we're in now, just so I know. All right, so we've got Luke, Alex, TK. And you have to give us your topic by Friday latest so everyone has a good chance to prepare. No last-minute jobs. Okay, pick a random name. Here we go. And the winner is me. (laughs) There we go. I think I've got one tucked, so I'll wait just in case I can think of anything a bit sweeter. I'll try not to go tactical like TK and look for someone where he knows that he can get someone on side that you know is deep down they agree I would say your one was with uh, what's it with Leticia and yeah. thing but because I more lean to agreeing with that than not but I still had to fight the corner I had Townsend give me the filthiest looks when we were doing that as well he got fully into character as well <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> alright so Jack if you want to give us your outline and then we'll do our back and forth you are saying Hazard is the best player to play in the Premier League since Ronaldo. Yeah, and that's by quite some way as well. I, mean, look, I wouldn't even say 
I wouldn't even say it's that close. Oh, God. So, in my mind, I've been thinking all week, I mean, who are they going to pit him against? Who are they really going to bring up? And my main top one's Rooney. I think that's probably a strong contender. Um, And then I've kind of thought, after that, Suarez as well. Suarez well, and Rooney. We don't have to agree on a name. We just yeah. have to convince you that it's not Hazard. Yeah. So we could all independently think yeah. of someone different well, th- as long as it's not Hazard. Well, this is, this is what I'm saying. So I've been trying to think of who you will say. So I can say, no, Hazard's better. He's popper docking us like an eight mile. But then I've also thought, you know what? Say who you're going to say because he, he's genuinely the best player to play in the last 10 years. And I've... Those are the two strongest I would say that come close to him, and I still don't think they're as good as he is. I said to TK this week, I think I could pick ten above him. Let's go. That's not the case. No, I do back, have a list. There's of names. the backtrack. There. I do. No, I have a list. Of, I have a list of names that we'll, we'll certainly get into. So I would say, when we break this down to who the best has been, it probably comes down to peak performance, which I think is where you're going to head down if you're defending Hazard is you're going to say, look, at the peak of his powers, he's better than anyone else. Consistency is certainly one that we're going to go into because I think you'd certainly use that to rule out someone who's done it for a season. You can't come in with Vardy or Mahrez had a good season when they won the league. They're better. And achievements probably comes into it if you're really trying to settle it down by the end. I'm quite intimidated that he's taking notes <laughs> opposite me while, while we're doing it. <laughs> so a good a good place I thought to start was Hazard. So two hundred and twenty two Premier League games, eighty five goals. Yeah. Now in comparison, I'm not even sure he's the best player to have played at Chelsea in that time. So if you look at the stats from the O nine ten season, which is the first season after Ronaldo had gone, so he left O eight O nine, so O nine ten. In that time, Frank Lampard had 177 games, 70 goals and 26 assists. That's already pushing Hazard and that's at the twilight of his career. Yeah, so again, coming back to that, because I did think about Didier Drogba and other great Chelsea greats to have played in that team. And you've got to look at it and think, the team Hazard has played in and the team that Lampard played in from when he started at Chelsea, we were winning... Back to back Premier Leagues, winning cups left, right, and centre. Like we won a stupid amount of um, silverware. So, for as good as Frank Lampard is, and I'm never going to do Frank Lampard down. You best not. Right, let me just stop you there. So, <laughs> no, the, the Chelsea team standard has not dropped at all in the last few years. The competitiveness around it has just gone up. To you, for you to say that the era of Lampard and stuff. Uh, let me the, just Homer Simpson into the hedge. Yeah. Like the the. The, like for you to for you to say that the team that Lampard played in isn't as good as some of the teams that we've had in the last ten years in terms of Chelsea teams is ridiculous. You've had you've got the the Kante's Premier League winning team is could easily have gone up against Mourinho's prime era team easily. I like it's just literally we don't think of Chelsea like we did because when Chelsea were in what we'd say was prime Chelsea in the Mourinho era, arguably it was just them and United really. Now you've got City. You are not this. Arguably, then you had you had City, who you you have you have City now who take the limelight, and they they and arguably as well, they're the biggest money spenders, and they almost make them they almost almost makes it look like Chelsea don't spend as much. So I I, like you can't you can't compare the standard of squads at all. I 
I'd probably put so, four somewhere between. It wasn't as good as Mourinho's squads, but they're not. They're not, it's terrible, not like he's been I, playing in dreadful so squads. I, he has been in good. Yeah, teams. yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but I'm just saying to go up against Lampard. So I'm going to give you a starting lineup. I'm going I mean, to give, the level of team he's in has really no equivalence. No, it to does. His, to him so, as a player. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But if you're going in with stats, which you brought up with the Frank Lampard thing just then, yeah. if you're going in with stats, then it's all going to be about the standard Stevie G response whenever we say Lampard is better than Stephen Gerrard. Oh, it's a team that's playing around, hasn't got the players to be doing the, that. The thing that I would count with that is that Gerrard was almost always the standout player for Liverpool. Whereas in a lot of these teams, I haven't seen that Hazard has been the standout player. In the first couple of years, Mata was the main man, which kind of gets overlooked now because he hasn't done great at United. Yeah. But he was Chelsea's player of the year yeah. for those two he, he was the main he guy. Was. And then you've got other, which we'll get into as it goes on, but you've had players brought in that I think have had a greater impact on the team that have meant they've won stuff than Hazard. For example, Costa and Kante, for example. I think so, both in the, individually had their own bigger impact than Hazard was so able to have. So what they've done is they've created a great foundation for Hazard to be able to go and play. So I'm going to give you go back to... The Frank Lampard's. I'm going to give you Can a start on Matter quick before you... Matter? Yeah, just... This is separate from it's it. It's a subject. Just, I love Matter. This is a Matter story. So when Arsenal had their last win at Stamford Bridge, the one where Van Persie scored five, late, it was an absolute, absolute banger. Yeah. Um, so Arsenal winning and Matter equalised late and Jack did the thing you don't do. Yeah. Oh. You don't pounce before the game's oh, over. No. And tweeted me, uh, what's the Matter... Byron <laughs> and before I'd even had a chance to reply Van Persie's put it top bins at the other end oh, past wow. check <laughs> that, what was that 2012 oh, yeah God. Andre Santos scored yeah. in that game it was one of them games so <laughs> let, so I'm going to give you a starting lineup. so Petr Cech John Terry Carvalho and then you've got Ashikar at right back Panofera right back then you've got Balak SCN Lampard midfield with Joe Cole to come in, oh, that's a and then of a team. and then you've got and then you've got Drogba, Anelka, and Florian Maluda. You can go further back and have Gajonson, Robin, Duff. That's why I'm saying. And then you go into the Chelsea teams, which until we got Kante, was a midfield of John Obi Mikel, um, Matic. Then we got John Terry coming towards the end of his career with a bit of David Luiz in there, Josie Bossinger at right back. Um, Azpilicueta who's a centre-back who's not a right-back um, you've got left-back Marcus Alonso or Palmieri um, you haven't had or you've got Azpilicueta playing as a left-back in, even though he's a right-back you've had that as well and then you've had midfields until Kante came in a couple of years ago midfields and the but this is the main difference is that the strikers that he's had to play with and I've got them written down here is Torres an unfiring Torres <laughs> A Demba Bar, which is a decent player when he's at Newcastle, but he's never gonna <laughs> like pull up trees apart from a few outstanding goals. <laughs> then you've got, and then Diego Costa comes in, and that's when Hazard really comes alive in the season that we win it because he's got someone to play off. That we season, then, though, would you not? Would if you asked the manager at the time, I think he'd have rather sacrifice Hazard than Costa. Um, I don't think. Again, I don't think that's true because. He sacrificed Costa, and then he was a very Conte was a very kind of moral driven man. He was like, "You either do what I say, you get out." So what I'm trying to say is that if you're comparing him to Lampard and goal output, the goal output is never going to be favourable reading for Hazard. The way that Hazard wins it is the moment factor, the moments that you really sit up and remember as, "Whoa, what have I just seen?" And I don't believe, apart from a speculative fluky volley from Rooney that went in from the halfway line I don't 
in the last 10 years remember any moments I can remember his. I know it's because of my childhood, but if yeah. you... <laughs> what about the Bicey against City? <laughs> huh? The Bicey against City. That was fantastic. That's that a moment. A, that is a moment. First time shot against <clears throat> Newcastle, uh, goal in the Champions League final against Barcelona. They weren't so, in... But from nine ten onwards, though. Yeah, I mean, there was yeah. there was an Argentinian fellow who played up front for City. He's been quite consistent. Yeah. There's had quite a good moment. I mean, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, but again, it again, if 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 you stick Aguero. if you stick Hazard in that Man City team, I guarantee you his goal output increases. He's been playing around. Would he be the main guy? He's we're saying the best player in the league the, in this time. Would he be the main guy? He'd be the best player in that team if you put him in the Man City team. So fully fit, he's not bad. La- point, for example, last, different players. Last last season, the main man. last season, you actually won the award best Belgian playing in the foreign league awards. Just, no, come on, because Urtzil has got German Player of the Year like five years in a row, and I can attest to he yeah. certainly wasn't. <laughs> However, but you're saying about what Hazard could do in that team. Yeah. Hazard has more of the ball than he'd have in this City team right now, and so his stats would probably be even less favourable. I don't agree with that because Hazard always picks up the ball deep because we have when he's playing off. Giroud or he's playing off Higuain he's got nobody creating any other space in because he's got such a rigid midfield he's got Jorginho who's good at his job as a register I, I get that but, if, if it's but the, then he's got no creativity he makes everything himself and that's why he is so good if we go into the players then and I'm sure I'll hand over to TK here when we're going down the players that we're saying they don't appear on the stat sheet yeah. and Hazard obviously appears on the stat sheet but you're saying not to the extent with that kind of player, is David Silva not been better and more consistent than Eden Hazard has? I In a role that you put Hazard in, I think because they're two different positions, to compare them in that way is wrong. However, to I compare mean, them to as a player, the best player... No, no, no. To compare them as the best player, I don't believe that, no. Hazard's done things with a ball that, again, he's got that Lionel Messi factor where you just don't... I'm going to be honest. I say I, factor. Yeah, I, I think, say no, no, I'm not saying the Messi <laughs> thing. I was oh, going right. to go before then. Oh, ah, okay. I think if you have, if you're offered to fill the sentence and you've got David Silva and you've got an Eden Hazard and the sentence is, this guy does things with the ball that you don't often see in the Premier League that no one else could do, I think more people are going to put David Silva in that sentence than Eden Hazard. Okay, so how many goals have you seen, like the one against Arsenal where he ran from the line and bounced cocking off, and the one against West Ham where he went through the middle of their team past five players? If 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 you if I could just lead you into my path a, a little bit more. <laughs> went because, your trap. Because if we're, if we're saying that kind of thing, then Suarez is levels above Hazard. Because if you're going down the path of it's not down to this, it's down to kind of the moments and the peak thing, then Suarez has a wider array of things. However, and he has. So if that, if if you're going with the Suarez argument there, so Hazard versus Man United. Don't forget as well, w- with Hazard, he's played under the most probably the most defensive managers you can get in world football, Mourinho and Conte. So you're never going to have that expansive free flow in football that you would have got under other managers like Pep. So that's why his stats don't add up. However. To win the league, essentially, our last big opposition in the 15-16 season. And a chance falls to Eden Hazard. Wonderful link-up play with Oscar. Yeah, wonderful link-up play with Oscar. Runs through and slots underneath David De Gea. So there's him winning the league for his team, which Suarez never managed to do because he crumbled. Hang on, because if we're looking at... If we're doing what we did in the 15-16 season either. I think it's 14-15, maybe. 
Yeah, 14, 15, 15 16 was yeah. his missing season, yeah, which yeah. we will come on to. Yeah, that four, is a black mark. Yeah, 14, if, if we're doing what each one... if Earlier you were talking about Hazard and saying the team he was in. Compare the Chelsea teams that Hazard's been in to that Liverpool team that Suarez was in. Gerard. And it's worlds apart. So, the team that finished 7th the year before to nearly win the league in a way that Hazard could... I mean, if if we've been really, really honest, Hazard couldn't drag a team in the way Suarez can. Even if even if I was to completely side of you and say he's more skillful, for example, I don't think he has the ability to drag a team in the way that Suarez does. Well, I think Hazard's thing is if if I had to describe Hazard to an alien, and I, if I had to if I had to pick a Premier League player for an alien to watch now, in terms of someone who is just enjoyable to watch. Hazard would be right up there. He's he's one of those guys who you can, whether you're playing Burnley, whether you're playing United, whether you're playing Chelsea, whoever, he's someone who is enjoyable to watch. But the issue that we have when it comes to the other players is all of these players are at a bare minimum enjoyable to watch. And they do more for us to be able to kind of... When you put a YouTube compilation up, you're going to pick more out from these players than you're going to have from Hazard. Their compilation is going to be about 10 minutes longer than Hazard's. Hazard's might be a bit flashier in the two minutes, but it's not going to be what we see from them. I think Hazard is just a slightly more glamorous thing than Ozil. When he does it against these teams where you can bolster your highlight really at the end of the season, but when it comes down to when it really mattered, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's there. So... Again, I disagree with that. So I've got some of his goals and his goal breakdown from the ones that he has scored. So he's got seven v Arsenal, he's got six v Liverpool, he's got and Spurs, he's got five versus Man United and four versus City. So the hardest teams are the ones he score against the most, which will probably say that he can do it when it matters against big teams. He doesn't go missing like an Özil does. I mean, Aguero has more goals against all those teams than anyone else that we're going However, to mention. However, as an out-and-out striker when he's more of a winger creative player, then I wouldn't, I couldn't really say goal output matters that much between those two if you're going to say who's the better player to have in your team. I mean, Chelsea have had, like I said, Hazard alone most games. Do you think that, you look at our front line, you think who's winning us that match? And you th- if, we, if, we, <laughs> if we go back to 9-10 and you have the ability of hindsight, yeah, and you get offered Aguero over Hazard, do you not think Chelsea are more successful with Aguero leading the line than if you have Hazard over the over that space of time? Um, No, I don't. Because who's feeding him, really? Because you look at the other, other players that we've signed in that time period, and that's really hampered Hazard, I would say, in that aspect. I do think we're kind of selling some of these Chelsea teams short a little bit, just in terms of... Say, oh no, yeah, don't get me the, wrong, we've had some great players. Like the 14-15 season, for example, Chelsea won, it was um, Jose come back. Yeah. Let's see, Fabregas was the guy who changed their life that season. Yeah, it was. It was 18 assists. Yeah. So we've got, on the one hand, we've got, we've said that Hazard is, uh, can't just be judged purely on goals. Well, Fabregas has got far more assists than he's ever managed to get from a deeper position than Hazard typically plays. Costa's come in and got 20 goals in his debut season, so it's not like he hasn't had help in yeah. that season. He's had two players there who already stand out. Mm-hmm. Matic got brought in that January, and we do forget for probably an 18-month spell, it was probably the best DM yeah, around. He was, he was he unbelievable. Was awesome. I don't really know what he was on for that period of yeah. time, because since then he's never really matched it. <laughs> no, but he was unbelievable. Yeah. And then Hazard that year, assist, he got nine. It's not bad, but then it's not spectacular in comparison to 
kind of his compatriots around him. I think that's my kind of main criticism of him. In these, you've got some bad seasons in there, yeah, which we'll come on to. But then even the good seasons that Chelsea had more success, we tend to be there tends to be this narrative growing now that Hazard has been kind of the, the kind of the linchpin and everything. And I kind of I look at some of these wins and think. He hasn't really been, even been the main man. Well, the trophy that we won last year, for example, with Conte in the FA Cup, so he made the run and won the penalty and scored the penalty. It's strictly Premier League, this, though. He's the best player in the Premier League. You didn't yeah, say... Yeah, well... I'm just saying, as important to have counter-arguments, uh, he hasn't been the linchpin. I actually think it, it takes away from you if you start including other competitions, because it's particularly when you look at Rooney... That's true. I'm. I'm not. All I'm saying is that's a big moment that Hazard has contributed to My biggest Chelsea. comparison for... Hazard is that I don't even think when you look over it that he's better than Salah. If if this this stat here, and I know what you're going to say with the goals, but this even with a low goal scoring rate. So as I said earlier, Hazard 222 Premier League games, 85 goals. Salah has played 71 Premier League games and he's got 54 goals. Are you telling me that? In that time, Salah has not been a better Premier League player than Hazard. He's been a better goal scorer, obviously. But I wouldn't say all-round player. People have said that he's gone missing in games this season. And he, like, stat The games pads, where he, they like say that. he's gone missing in, you can bring up those same stats you had for Hazard against the top six, and they read very well for Salah as well. No, I agree. I, get, don't and get he won the Champions League. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and, and that one would be, I've, I've said it before, the, the Liverpool-Chelsea game at Anfield yeah. was a prime example of what I talk about, whereby I watched the game. And Hazard, yeah, it was great to watch. And he had those two good chances, predominantly fashioned himself, but didn't take them. And Salah had one where he, he didn't play that great. He looked sharp enough, yeah. but didn't look that great. And then scores a spectacular winner, which pro- well, probably wins you it because so, it takes him from 1-0 to 2-0 so going, going and back, changes the complexion of the game. Going back to the teams he's been playing in, and I'm, I'm saying that there's not particularly a bad teams that he's been playing, but it's, say, poorly managed, for example. So that game, he started his false nine. He started arguably against the best centre-back in world football at the moment, in out of position, when we all know he's best when he's on the left. Because second goal goes in, he gets moved to on the left, and on another day, he scores both those goals, and that wins the game. I, I know that, that he didn't. On another day is the, is the question. I know it? that he didn't, but what I'm saying is if he played on the left from the whole start of it, then who would have known? I'm saying that if you're looking at these stats and you're looking at the stats with Salah, look how many goals Liverpool have scored, how many points they've accrued, how many games they have won because of good management. You look at where under Mourinho that he had to track back all the time. And I'm not saying that Salah doesn't. All I'm saying is the tactics allow for those stats to be increased that way. But as an actual moment player... Stopped Spurs winning the league and was <laughs> and was was pivotal. That's a in itself. Yeah, because and then pivotal in two Premier League winning seasons and the season just gone. Scored two goals in the European final. Um, was brilliant all season. Scored some memorable goals. I tell if you look at those wild factors in the last ten years, I know you say Suarez, and they are there, but. I've got someone else. I think Alex is yeah. ready to uh, take your head off. Right. <laughs> so we're talking about, we're trying to talk about the best Premier League player in the nine, nine years, wasn't it? Right? Finish it. Okay. So for this to be chosen, you have to accept that it has to be a mutual agreement amongst different fans from across the spectrum. I have never met any other fan from another club 
that has said that Hazard is the best player in Premier League history has only ever been to, uh, in, in the last ten years. In in yeah. terms of in terms of um, in ter- I've only met Chelsea fans that have said it. Now I'm not. I I, I Do think. Do you think your brother would say it? No, my brother does say it. He Jesus says that he. Christ. My brother says it as well. And, and Harry does as well. They they laugh at me like I'm stupid in terms of if I question it. <laughs> Is he a Chelsea uh, fan as well? How, yeah, Harry Jesus. is. Yeah, I know. The um. So. It's, it's, it's like you, you have to accept that it has to be chosen like mutually. But it, to, for me, it's a clean sweep. I've never met any other fan from any of the other clubs say that he is. Whereas I've met people will hopefully admit, like, for example, we're talking about Aguero. United fans, Liverpool fans, Tottenham fans, Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans will admit Aguero is, is, a, is a goat in the if, Premier League. If he I really can is. keep it on you, so one of the big things Jack had was kind of the, the wow moments. I'm sure you can attest to this. Bale for me, if I need someone for a wow moment, and this he he wouldn't be my pick because he falls down on the consistency thing purely because of the time there. Mm. I think Bale does what you said with Hazard, where he's in a weaker team. That's the first thing that levels it. We've got <laughs> that he was coming in and he was kind of being shipped everywhere, having to do the job. He had more moments, certainly. There was so many times, particularly on a Monday night, where I'm having to check the score after football. 90-summit minutes, he's going to ping in from about 40 yards. And I think he actually exceeds Hazard simply in the eye test factor, just someone who's enjoyable to watch as a player. Yeah, and that's exactly my choice. I've met, like, in terms of, I've met more people that will humbly admit that Bale is one of the best players we've seen in recent years in the Premier League, more so than Hazard. And that's not me, but I I turn to him and say, all right, I, I see what you're saying, but come on, he's not the best player that we've seen in the Premier League. It comes down to when you think about it on a raw level. Hazard is not your pick. If you're not a Chelsea fan and you don't, you know, he's not your pick. And okay, you could argue the Chelsea fans watch him in a, like every single game. They watch him. They focus on him. Um, they're, so they're going to have, let's say, maybe a better point of view. But there's a reason that people aren't tuning in to watch him. I mean, I'll watch Man City to see Aguero play. I'll watch. I'll watch. Uh, I'll watch Man United to see Rooney play at his peak. You know, it's 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 a different kind of level. It's also as well. Well, you had Silver down as the best Premier League import, so I hope you're going to. Uh... Yeah, it, <laughs> and I, I, I will. I think it's fair to say Chelsea uh, Hazard has been the best Chelsea player in the last not in the last nine years. I hundred percent Lampard. But for him to for him to be the best Premier League player, I. There's something really sort of raw, obviously raw here that he isn't just on a basic level. If you're not a Chelsea fan, can can we go on to Rooney because he's one of our obvious picks, and I feel he's someone that we've perhaps underdone with these so far. I mean, his stats in a comparison, he's someone who hasn't solely played as the front man. He's been shipped to centre midfield. He's had to be shipped playing behind the striker because you think this is right up to this season. These stats, so Hazard's obviously got more years in this time, so. 128 goals and 56 assists to 85 goals and 54 assists. And I would expect Rooney to have more goals. But when it comes to peak performance, we've seen several 20-plus goal and 20-plus assist, not 20-plus assists, but the goals and assists together from Rooney. There's Even at the tail end of his United career, he was still hitting about 17, 18 goals a season. And that was when he wasn't even the guy. He stepped up to be the guy when Ronaldo left. You look at the consistency, and that's certainly there. They hit right through the United. It's only up until at the his end, kind of end, and wobbly, even then yeah. he went across to Everton and did a decent enough job there, even yeah. and shipped into the United midfield. And then you look at 
achievement and he certainly got that there in the United team as well. So he, if if this was the, the topic, he would be my pick because I think he ticks all the boxes. I think he's someone where, as much as you hated him, and I'm sure we all did oh, yeah. in a club shirt, particularly as an Arsenal fan because he used to do an absolutely horrible job on us. He is, I think, the the best player. And I think we look at a striker, you've got Rooney or Suarez, I would take over Hazard as well. I think the thing that goes against him is the number of years there. I think we've got Aguero there. We've got David Silva when you go into the deeper role and you look at someone say, all right, it's not on paper. We're going to do, as we always say on here, we're going to take the eye test and we're going to say that's what determines the player. Then I think you've got the likes of David Silva, you've got the likes of Fabregas. These these kind of players. I'm not Fabregas yeah. wouldn't be someone I take over yeah. it, but I think it's a very bold shout to say that Hazard is the best. I think it's a big compliment to him to have him in the conversation. I think when you look at especially the Rooney argument, is that to kind of try and get round how good Hazard is, you've got to kind of go up against a striker because you can kind of quote goals you can quote assists what about Yaya Torre then so Yaya Torre do you think think Hazard was not as good as Yaya Torre honestly 62 goals 32 assists in the same time space in that's not bad don't get me wrong that's from some of his time at City he was playing deep in midfield as well don't get me wrong people for like his backyard what a season two seasons of just being an absolute beast because he was completely different to most other midfielders just this strong lumbering thing are, are we giving Hazard credit here solely for just playing more seasons in the league as opposed to because well if you're going to do a comparison he's the best in the last 10 years like Suarez how long was he here for Three this, years, this is years? what I think marks it down he had two That's, full seasons like, don't get put it this way right? if he had longer than two full seasons and he'd played the same amount of time as Hazard and he'd gone and on to thing. So if Aguero, he'd got, if Aguero he, Yaya Rooney all did and yeah. they all did it to a higher standard and more consistently the peak of Hazard's career is 16 Yaya, goals, 16 Yaya, assists. Yaya Torre did it more consistently. Yeah. I'd say I'd, I wouldn't put Yaya Torre as one of the best, well, the best Premier League. One of them, I'd put them into a conversation, but I wouldn't say he's the best. Would anyone else here say Yaya Torre is the best in the Premier League in the last 10 years? Would you he's say not... he's above Hazard? That's the question. Well, no. If... He wouldn't be very far off. I'm not, and yeah, he, he wouldn't be very far off. He doesn't have a season like the 15-16 season. He, he doesn't have a season on the record. No, the 15-16 the season was bad, but it was one half four of Four goals and four assists. Yeah. Games don't, is not but, good. don't forget, they gifted him a penalty at the end of the season because it had been that long. Yes. They gave him a pity penalty. It was like letting the keeper step up to take one. I guess that's my issue with the, with the Hazard stuff. Is I, As much as I, I do love him as a player, is that he kind of ends up getting put on a level with the greats of, say, Rooney, Omri, the p- players that, once they kind of got into their stride, they were never going to have a season like that. I can't overlook that. And I thought it was kind of endemic to my thoughts on Hazard in general, was that when the going got tough with Chelsea, he wouldn't be the guy that stood was counted. That's where I would draw... A, they've obviously gone their separate ways in terms of ability, but him and Ozil in a similar sort of thing, whereby I've never seen Ozil do something that I didn't think he should be able to do with his ability and, and the circumstances. I don't tend to see Hazard putting his head above it in the way of, of someone like Gerard or Suarez in, in that regard. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying I don't think I've seen it that much from him. So the thing is as well, when you kind of compare the 15-16 season and you've brought Rooney into the mix as well, Rooney's last season in Man United was terrible. 
But the, those stats, but then he, but then those he, stats but, were in the same time frame, and he was yeah. a lot older than Hazard was at this point. However, he he's... How old? How old's Hazard? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah. Look at Rooney's. Came at look at Rooney's last. Look at Rooney's season at twenty-seven and compare them. But then, when you also think as well, Rooney's main attacking prowess was when he was younger. I believe he kind of stepped back well, that's from what that he, main and attacking he's, he's role. He still kept up those numbers later on. But again, if you're going to bring up the 15-16 season of Hazard's blip, where the whole team literally stopped playing and we finished tenth, R- Rooney's last couple of seasons. For Man United, I think awful. It, I think if I think if your point is comparing Hazard's bad season at the age of twenty five compared to Rooney's at age thirty two, and also the thing about the inferior teams don't always stack up when you consider we're comparing like as we've touched on, Suarez was never in a great Liverpool team as much as he was attacking team, but even say that the season where twenty the fourteen fifteen season Chelsea win the league, Hazard had the same number of assists as Jordan Henderson. For Liverpool, who finished seventh or eighth that I season. mean, the problem you always so get... You've got... But it's not like Chelsea weren't that creative a team because Fabregas ended up getting 18 assists. So it's the not, pro- the they pro- didn't play attacking football. The problem you're always going to have is you haven't, if you haven't watched him week in, week out and you've watched him on things like Match of the Day and not every single game, you will miss a lot of what Hazard brings to the team. Because Spurs fans not then say like about Kane, for example. Is no, that no, like, no, no, no. We, we, we we easy answer this in is that's what you put, that's what you put David Silva down for. It's exactly the same thing, and I and has a, uh, David Silva has certainly done it for as consi- like like better consistently and for longer. Fits into more of the category of does the things you don't see a little bit more as well. Exactly his role. Exactly. Like, what? like give me some what? examples Ru- of David Silva's things that you that well, he hasn't done. Well, he's, <laughs> well, 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 this is what I mean. So he, he's been, he's been the engine room. He's been there consistently. And who's this Rooney? David Silva. David I want Silver, about. Sorry, I mean, yeah. if, we're, if we're saying Rooney at twenty-seven, by the way. Played in three less games, banged 27 goals, four assists, and won the league. But he was also a striker, and he was also in... Well, I'm just saying, the peak... Uh, had him at 27, let's yeah. not take Rooney at his, last, if, if you his play, last year. Yeah, I know, but if you played Rooney on the wing, he'd probably have like, the same amount of goals, if not the, less. The, the tricky thing with the Hazard one is, wow, the, is the goalposts seem to be kind of quite constantly moved in terms of... So we'll say you can't compare with David Silva because he plays further forward, David Silva plays deeper. Mm. So then you'll say... He plays in the same position as Salah predominantly. Yeah. But then Salah is... Oh, he's got more goals than... I mean... More assists, kind of pro-rata, if you like. But it's, then it's, he doesn't play in the same position. This is what I'm trying Where to say. Is this is the kind of undersold thing about Hazard, is that he's not... It's hard to kind of win a paper argument with Hazard because what he does is so different to anyone else. I think it's hard to win the eye test argument with him compared yeah. to these players. This, this is one for TK and it's no bearing on the outcome here, just a genuine uh, question. If if I offer you Hazard at the peak of his powers or Coutinho at the peak of his powers for a season, so you get Coutinho's best season at Liverpool or Hazard's at Chelsea, who are you taking for the season? I, I don't think it's as miles out as people might think, but I, I would take Hazard, yeah. yeah. I think he's... Yeah, he's I think done that, more. He's I think that's fair. I mean, this season he was the first season, uh, the first player in the Premier League since I think Henri to register over fifteen goals and fifteen assists. Yeah, which, sixteen and sixteen, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Henri absolutely battered that that as well. By the way, that's yeah, true. But mistaken, that's not that. That is the first time he's broke double assists for the Premier League. But he's season. also the first player to do double. So no yeah, one else that, has done that. I, I think this is almost like he's coming out by this yeah. season. I think in terms of... Oh yeah, of, because he wanted to go to Real Madrid, he wanted yeah, to get the move. It is what it is. But as, 
I, I just kind of think before that, for example, if we'd have this conversation on the first half of this season, mm. I'd be saying he's the best player in the league and it's yeah. pretty far away. And I did, I do think he fell away a little bit after Christmas yeah. and the stats kind of battled that up. And, yeah. and so I think he had like three goals and assists after for like four months. Spell. But then it was also but, the team we were getting 0-0 draws against Southampton yeah, that, that and Bournemouth help. and playing awful football. But I guess my point is kind of, the way he's talked about it, it's almost like he's done these this sort of season has been throughout his time now, whereas I think it's been he's had moments of brilliance in there, but it's it's been not the consistent level that we've kind of tended to see now. And again, it, like I said, if you the the reason why Chelsea fans preach so much about it is because we see him every week. And we see the little intricate passes and we see how he links the play together and he sees how with what is with what Jose Mourinho says is that he overachieved with that squad. I'm going to say this is the same he's argument won, that Arsenal fans say for Xhaka. So. <laughs> he's won the league twice with a team with, when you're coming up against Man City and the money they're coming against, he's won two European trophies, he's won an FA Cup, he's won a League Cup, and he's got pre-FA Player of the Year's, full ex- pros team I'll, of the year, everything like that, over these players. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you now before we uh, move on, something which is separate when they did the Premier League team of the decade by the way they had Kolarov at left back which something maybe something that someone wants to look into <laughs> um, Jack big question have we changed your mind? No you haven't Alex has Jack changed your mind? <laughs> Absolutely not we're on to we're on to a winner okay then we'll move on I think we had a good one there. everyone has their own I think we all may even have different players who we think is I think that's why it's so difficult to settle it because everyone has a different. Well, that's kind that of the, the, the point. The, the point of these segments is we get one person who's incredibly passionate about yeah. this particular thing, and they have to try and sell it to the rest yeah. of the table. I think probably the thing with the whole thing on that, as the maybe because he's leaving now, so people do get a bit sentimental. Is that I think it has become a thing of oh yeah, he's the best player of the last 10 years. And, and I think, I can't remember if John Cross said it, but it's not that close. And I thought, yeah, well, at the very least you can see it's, it's, there's a debate oh, there. It's, it's, oh, so, it's, it's absolutely, so, the gap isn't a golf. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely so neck and neck. Yeah. But from what I've seen of the football, I just, I can't see another player doing what he does. Well, let's close out then here yeah. with a bit of chat on England before we uh, call it a day. So, it was an up and down week for England, mainly uh, down. So, lost to the Netherlands in extra time of the Nations League semi-final. 3-1 after some horrific mistakes from John Stones in particular. The big thing now is to kind of, with hindsight, look back and say, has this England team underachieved? Has this England team overachieved? And what? where do we go from here, essentially? We, so- I think we're going to get into this in some future weeks, so... We're not going to spend another like 40 minutes on this, but fourth place at the World Cup, third place at the Nations League. That's fact now. Yeah. There's something to say if we start here. If you'd been offered that a year ago going into the World Cup, yeah. would we, we'd all have taken that, oh, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah. And maybe that's the place to start because that is... The results there are affecting now how we look back on it and... Yeah if we'd offered it beforehand. So now when we can look back and we can say, this is the team we've got, this is what we were up against. Mm. Should we be happy with that now? No. And the reason for that is, is you've got, you look at the teams that we've played and you look at the teams that we've beaten and you look at the teams we've lost against. Any difficult team that we've come up against, bar Croatia, 
in Wembley. We beat Spain as well. We did, but they had like a really weird half, didn't they? I mean, <laughs> and then and then they and they still nearly came back. Hang on, we had a really yeah. weird half against Netherlands. Yeah, I mean, look. At the end of the day, I want to get on the England bandwagon so much, and I did last year during the World Cup. I know that we're only playing Switzerland and Sweden, and we are in the semi-final against Croatia, and if we won that, we're in the final. I told TK we get the passion out of you. Yeah, and I love watching England play. I love watching it with my mates. I love just getting into that crowd aspect of you can finally put all of your club sides aside. You don't have to debate how good I Yeah. Don't have to debate how good it is. You can just jump around, get covered in beer with all your mates and just forget about your club teams for a bit. And don't get me wrong, I love that. And for about three weeks last year, the whole country was united. You'd walk through town centre to the pub and you'd say it's coming home. You'd just hear random choruses of it's coming home people back to you. People were genuinely happy. It wasn't uh, even like a thing. You go into work and yeah, people genuinely were in a bad yeah. mood. <laughs> people would smile at you in the street. They'd say hello. If they had an England shirt on, you'd like give them a fist. But it was, it was mental. It was a type of community feel that you were never going to see again unless we do get on. So for that aspect, England have really won the hearts back of the people because you think how disinterested we all were as England fans, a few years ago especially, where... You've got these stars and they're not performing. So we've kind of tagged ourselves as little old England at the moment of we're the underdog, we're not expecting much of ourselves. Well, other I countries do... seem to think that we legitimately were saying, like, confident it's coming home. Yeah, yeah. No, you and see that, uh, the, was it Darun no, tweeted yeah, after, like, oh, not, it's not coming home. Yeah. It's like they don't understand that the lyrics of the, they actually take the piss of how yeah. crap we've, we've yeah. been for the last, God knows, 30 years. So. Well, the place to start is obviously. We've done the World Cup before, so yeah, we don't yeah, we'll need leave to that, we'll leave that. So, Nations League semi-final. I think we can say, despite being 1-0 up, none of us were particularly happy with the way we played. So, my my main issue with the way England play at the moment is that we don't score enough goals, if any goals, from open play. Shall we, All of our goals come from set pieces. Shall we look at where we're happy and where, where we're not? So, yeah. Pickford in goal. It's not the best keeper we're ever going to have, but he's certainly... I like him as number one, and you've got to have a cemented number yeah. one, I feel, for confidence in the back four. Okay, so back back four then. If, <laughs> if I don't know if we're all in agreement here. I'd say our strongest back four is... So, Trent, Maguire, Stones and Chilwell. Yeah, I agree. Are we... Anyone else? Trent a... is like the new Beckham. He's the, <laughs> the way he whips a ball in, and just... Oh, he's brilliant. I'd love to have him. Are we all are play. we all fairly off the Kyle Walker? Oh, Kyle thing. Walker shouldn't be anywhere near that team. <laughs> he did not have a good night at the office. And he hasn't had a good season. Today. Let's be honest as well. You know, he's like in another team. He probably gets exposed more than at City. Exactly. He? Yeah. He's fortunate that Stones made the mistakes he did to be able to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we're happy with. I think that's as good of a backline as you can hope for in a in a balanced team internationally. I agree. Okay, so if we then, I think the we'd all agree the main issue is the is the midfield where just no credit. TK tweeted yesterday that we seem to think we've either got to play like a Barcelona team or a Stoke team. I think was yeah. a, to paraphrase. Yeah. We went into that game with Delph, Barkley, and who's the other one? Delph, Barkley, yeah, Rice. and Declan Rice as our yeah. midfield three. Who I have said Declan Rice is very overrated, but that's a question for another day. The issue Southgate had, we didn't start Henderson. Henderson would have made a world of difference in there. I never, and I bet you never thought you'd say that a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I've been on, I've been on the train. Yeah. Sometimes, at some, one point, maybe sympathetically, and then it kind of developed into being kind of the people who said they were uh, Fury fans before the Klitschko fight. 
<laughs> it just kind of paid off for them. So in in this in this midfield, I think if we could change one thing about the team, it would be that we need a more creative midfield. And we certainly have those players. It's just the fact that they aren't being picked. Yeah. Um, probably the, the big thing for us to discuss now before we close is Southgate was asked about why Michael Keane wasn't brought in um, to maybe challenge John Stones. He was asked why we had a midfield that started with um, Fabian Delft and his argument uh, over players like Madison. And he said that you look at players like Delph and you look at these other players and they've played in big games is what he said. He said the players that were the supposed kind of rivals for the place, they hadn't played in the big games. And this is in contrast to what he said previously, where it was kind Picking of, look, form, yeah. I'll take the best players in the best thing. And I don't think, I think we took the Nations League more seriously than each country's football team did as as so fans. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't think it was a case of kind of resting them. And I, I, how are you ever going to have these players playing in the big games if you don't give them the chance? So it seemed fairly cut and dry that Madison was one of the best 100%. English players in the league this 100%. year. Ali would be in your squad, but if you compare Madison's season to Ali's season... Exactly, if you're picking on Fulham... Chelsea fans wouldn't have Barkley in ahead of Madison, for no, example. No chance. So. Like, Barkley, don't get me wrong, he gets a lot of bad press, but at the same time, he's just... He's like got the makings of a great yeah, he's player. He's there. kind of he's but, more of a number ten, though, isn't he, than a deep centre midfielder? I'd say it's like a number eight, like an engine, kind but, of like driving forward and coming back a little bit. He's not a holder. That, that could have worked with those two behind him, with Dalton yeah. right behind him. He could have been the sort of the creative hub, and for whatever reason, didn't really work. I mean, but what, Madison could have easily swapped in there ahead yeah. of him. They could have done a, a better job, probably. And yeah, and that's it. And how, how the does, one thing sorry. that is absolutely highlighted to the point of just pulling your hair out is that. We are just so uncreative yeah, as a nation. And you think, like, Harry Kane gets a lot of shit. And I mean, a lot of it sometimes you can say... Oh, brought on himself. Brought on himself, yeah. However, he just does not get the service because Rashford doesn't get the service. The only reason why we got a penalty is because he pressed high, well, won at, the ball and got kicked over. Well, look at look at his form up front. There's no way that he should be starting up front for his country when you even look at Callum Wilson ahead of him. Yeah. When you look at this and say that these players were selected above the others. This is kind of the first time I think Southgate's going to get some criticism. He had it when he was when he first arrived, then very quickly, everyone got behind him. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you saw the picture of Phil Neville decided to turn up in a waistcoat yeah. yesterday, as if he... Would, and Paddy he Power tweeted, yeah. oh yeah, I've always had this Yeah, he's, I've always had this <laughs> <laughs> It's very obvious what the issue is, and so the blame has to be on the manager in terms of the selection. Because he also hooked Sancho. At a time when I don't think he should have been probably our most creative outlet on the pitch. Well, how do you how do you weigh up players who haven't played in big games over players who haven't been playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Barkley's been a rotation option. He's certainly played games. Delph. Delph, Delph, you can you can count the amount of starts he's had on one hand. Mm. Stones haven't started since April, when people have said maybe Matt's making the kind of the case for him in terms of by extra time he was done that's what Southgate blamed it on Southgate said it's because he he wasn't uh, particularly fresh from that but I personally personally think he's always going to have that in at some point you've just got to if you're going to do him you'll have to say right I accept that and for another 10 games he's going to be brilliant it's like David Luiz it's like the David Luiz like before when he was actually decent you just know that he's going to make a mistake but then he might go and make a last ditch challenge that saves a goal against Frankfurt that actually gets us through to the final. Similarly with Louise, it's not been talked about with Stones, is that last summer we had three at the back 
yeah. and he was fine. Yeah. Now we're playing with two, he's been exposed a little bit more. And yeah. similar thing happened with Luis. And yeah. Even if it's not necessarily you've got someone behind you, it's there's another there's a thing there's a feeling as a centre half that I can get away with something in I a way that he out. can't now. Yeah. Last time we had Walker as a makeshift sort of first centre half. At least he was lightning quick, so he can make yeah. up for mistakes. You don't really have that comfort blanket. I now. think that, like you said, the midfield is where the problems lie because we sit against packed defenses, and like if we look at, I know we're not going to go back to World Cup, but I'm just thinking to think of the goals that we scored: penalties, crosses, corners, set pieces. We didn't score this this week in yeah. What was it 240 minutes of football? And you if, and you look at if sorry, if on. I present to you the midfield, then. If we would things have been different if we'd lined up with so we have a two and one in front of that and that is Henderson, Oxlade Chamberlain, and Madison in front of them. How much different do we think? I think that, that makes is? the world a difference because you've got legs, you've got skill. What, what is our is that say, fully fit, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. What is our best midfield three? If that's the formation we're going with, which does keep chopping and I changing, mean, obviously, obviously you're gonna have to try and pick on form, and you're gonna have to try and pick on how good they are. Yeah, obviously I'm so playing, but Henderson seems to be the one. Yeah, I mean he's just won the Champions League. He's I mean, got to play. Is, is Kane good enough that his position is right? You don't even need to question whether he's starting or not. He's there because yeah. for all of if what I hate him, yeah, he, if, he, if he's fully he fit, to. I mean, my argument to the Kane scenario is that if the ball drops him in the box, if the ball drops to Kane in the box, then nine times out of ten he buries it. it Whereas Marcus Rashford, I don't have that same confidence, and Callum Wilson, I don't have the same confidence. It, it there ain't either. rocket science with Kane. It's the same with Spurs. You get players with legs around him, pace and legs, and a bit of creativity, and he'll do the rest. You do. Yeah. It's when he becomes isolated and then. He himself then comes looking for the ball is when the whole team he goes tits up for the whole team because then you've got no yeah, one up there. You don't want and he doesn't have the base to get back up there himself. Exactly. You don't want Kane running back to pick up the ball. No. You want Kane running onto a ball or having a cut back or in or around the area. So on the wings then are we saying Sancho and Sterling are the best options we have? Let's see how Callum Hudson-Odoi does next year, but currently yes. Yeah. Okay. Good options. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Certainly. It's good. So it's good. Going into the Euros, I think if just sort of say, just sort of say as well. Obviously, we've got we've got Villa, Aston Villa in in the Premier League now. It looks like Jack Grealish is going to stay. Arguably, Jack Grealish is in with a shout. If Delhi, if if Jack if Jack Grealish if Jack Grealish is under consideration, I think he. So Ali obviously is like a a lot like. And a lot of people's eyes is it like a definite in for the. There's the obviously England squad. something there, isn't there? It's yeah. not like he's just lost it. He's, yeah, I. I think for the way they both, Jack Grealish he, tends to hold up the play quite a bit, like Ali can. I personally, for me, I think we need to watch him closely because Jack Grealish is an option. And to be honest, it's times like this that we need to start playing him now well, if we're going to start incorporating him in the squad. Ali's probably going to have more responsibility next season if Ericsson isn't there, so we're, we're probably going to see a lot more of him. I think we 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 do need to close this out here, but I think the telling thing that the England account tweeted yesterday was. It says a lot about how we're progressing that we're disappointed with finishing third in the Nations League. And so, be gutted about it, but take this as a starting block and then build forth. So, the next England game is September. I think it's the 9th of September or the 5th of September or something like that. That needs to be, I would say, we've seen it before, where the manager says, clean slate now. The players who've earned your roles, that's done, that's out of the picture. He brings in each player that he thinks has a chance. So you look at, say, Delph. You're not going to want Delph in your squad for the Euros, no. are you? 
you Eric Dyer, I think, is probably going to be in there. But you you take the players who you think this could be my squad for the Euros, yeah, and then we build from there. It shouldn't be ten new players every time we have an international no. call up. But I think we've got a couple of weeks now where we don't have to be worried about our clubs. We don't have to be worried about internationally. I think we always enjoy when we do our transfer things because this brings up some wild rumours at this time. So we'll see where we go from there. So we'll wait and get into that. Hopefully uh, people sided with us in the change my mind. Hopefully people didn't turn off after we debated uh, women in sport. But thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As always, if you could give us a like, share, repost, all that business on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. You can probably hear Alex packing up like you usually do when we uh, close out the episode. He's an eager beaver. And if you check out www.spitballingpod.com for more content, we'll be back. Thank you.